What's up, everybody? It's me, the host of the Junkyard Love Podcast, Captain America's great auntie. Auntie America. Man, I haven't done one of these in a while. Welcome. It's great to, uh, great to be coming through the airwaves to y'alls. Um, I just wanted to do like a little couple little announcements, a little what's been going on in my life, um, and a little intro to this episode. So if you want to just get right into the episode, um, tell me to screw off and just skip a few bars ahead. Yo, you will know the difference when you hear the intro. So just for a couple of minutes though, um, these episodes that I'm posting are a, a few months back that they were recorded, um, I have not been recording as many episodes lately. I, I record a lot of like solo cast stuff, just me kind of processing, talking to the camera or whatever, but I certainly don't post all of that because some of it is a bit mad. Um, so other than that, I haven't really been doing too many guests lately. Um, so these episodes that are coming out are from um, a few months back. So just a heads up on that, if there's any anything in the context that seems like, well, that was a while ago to have that perspective. It's because it was a, a little bit ago. Um, but they don't. it doesn't really change it, actually. I, I was thinking that that would be kind of like sloppy and that would suck and that would make the episodes uninteresting. But when I listen back, I'm reminded that podcasts, a lot of these conversations are so timeless. You know, it's not like a news network where, um, you know, watching yesterday's news is like uninteresting. Watching last week's, watching last month's, it's like, this is a waste of my time. Podcast conversations are way different. Like there's, there's, uh, I'm 22 minutes in with this episode that you're about, list, about to listen to with Micah and um, there's already so many little gems, so many little wonderful golden nuggets of information and like conversational bits that, uh, you know, it's that same stuff that makes me fall in love with, with podcasting and uh, what, what got me into like listening to long form conversations is those little nuggets of gold that someone like accidentally says or they repeat or, you know, whatever the conversation, the conversation leads to kind of an epiphany ish point. And for the listener, it's something that could like really set a little light bulb off, really give you that aha moment. And those aha moments are cream of the crop. I love him. I love him. Aha moments. So yeah, we've already got those going. Don't even worry about the gap. Um, to the future of the podcast, um, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. I, I was actually thinking of pausing the podcast, like making an announcement or trying to like, I, I keep I keep forgetting it's not really a business for me, you know, it's like, I don't have to do certain things. I really just, this is kind of like my life blog, you know, it's growing as I'm growing, it's going as I'm going. Um, when I first started this podcast, it was, you know, I had basically my own at home studio, like this dope recording studio setup that, um, I could have people in person and I could like make a day of it. They could come over, we could hang out, we could do a workout, we could go to the tap house down the road, we could go to the bar, we could make some music, we could, you know, smoke, drink, like basically have like a day with these people and then have a conversation, um, or have a conversation then a day. And I just, I, this is this, so this isn't the same thing for me, you know, now I'm like talking to people who are experts and, um, like very smart people. And, you know, it's different because I got to kind of learn how to connect with people through Zoom, you know, and, and um, it's been cool because I didn't have a lot of faith in it at the beginning. But some of these episodes, I'm like, man, this is actually such good shit. I'm, I'm able to connect with these people just the same in, in a sense. So I'm just adjusting to it being different, you know, and um, tomorrow actually marks a year since I've been living here in Austin, Texas. Um, and this whole last year, I haven't I haven't been like too full steam ahead with the podcast, you know, cause I'm just trying to get my grounding in life again, you know? 
being in a relationship for 10 years, uh, you know, being living in the same place my whole life, you know, having these same routines, having these same friends, it, it, everything changed for me, you know, like I moved away from the hometown, um, COVID changed a lot of th- a lot of things for me. Everything changed, you know, for a lot of people, not just me. So that's what this kind of whole last year has been is just kind of finding my footing, figuring out what I want. Um, and I'm certainly not there. I'm still kind of exploring. I'm still like learning about myself. I'm still learning about this place I'm living in now. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to, the, the way I'm going to do the podcast is just authentically, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to try to plan it. I, I've never really done the whole post Wednesday at this time. Cause that's the most time for the algorithm, like hashtag this, like I, any clicky thumbnail that I've, that I've made, I've like done it almost as a parody. You know, I I don't play the games of trying to win the podcast thing or trying to be a podcaster. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, I just want to do this thing. I just want to share this corner of this thing that I do and just like give it to people. Here it is, you know, if something comes of it, I'm not one to, to, you know, run away from opportunity, but I try not to turn this into something that it's not, you know, so this is kind of just my life blog, you know, I'm just trying to be real and try to share my perspective as my perspective grows and changes and and life grows and changes with it. And, you know, I'm grateful for any listener. And if anything I have to offer is of value um, or even, uh, you know, worthwhile to spend your time listening to, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing to me. That's pretty cool. I'm, I'm grateful for that. So, Anyway, this episode we're about to get into, it's with Micah. It's super great. I'm still writing up the description, so make sure you, uh, you know, glance through that and see what you can find out of it. Micah is quite wonderful. I always love our conversations. Um, it's a good one, man. It's a good one. The podcasts are going to keep coming. The episodes are going to keep coming. If you are sitting in the, uh, in my email inbox or you're sitting in my, um, uh, podcast pod match inbox. I'm sorry. I'll get to you. I've got things going on, things I'm sorting out, things I'm not sorting out. I will get to you. So thanks for your patience there. I have so many cool guests. I have this opportunity to like, basically people send their bios to me now and they say, here's what I do. Here's what I know. Here's what I talk about. Here's who I am. Like, would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? And they're all so good. They're all like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'd be honored. Um, and then I deal with this imposter syndrome where I'm like, why is this person talking to me? So, you know, it's cool. I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to get more of these people on here. So hang tight if you are in that bunch. Um, otherwise I'm pretty active these days, a little bit more on TikTok lately, although I might go through like a rage quit and quit all of TikTok. We'll see a little bit on TikTok, but mostly on Instagram. Instagram is usually where you can find me. Um, usually where you can get a hold of me the quickest too. I'm kind of like terrible responding in other, um, areas all things I'm, I'm plowing through and working through right we've all got our baggage eh? so on instagram check me out on instagram jacob from the internet um if you need any audio i'm still an audio guy too i do djing audio creative stuff if you like any of the poetry or rap or any of the the you know moderate kind of garbage stuff that i make that's just fun for me to make um check out my instagram jacob from the internet and reach out to me on there so thanks for listening hope everybody has a good day. If you're listening to this right now, uh, breathe through your nose, man. Breathe out. Let go of the tension that's in your shoulders. Let go of the tension that's in your face. Become aware of your five senses. Think about the feeling in your hands. Feel the clothes against your skin. Let go of the pressure in your chest, in your back. 
breathe out. Let's go. Enjoy the episode with Micah. Knowledge is power. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm not bad at all. I'm doing pretty good. I tried on my laptop and it wasn't working. So I'm on my phone. So. Oh, dang. Well, it looks actually pretty clear. It looks fine. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's always an issue dealing with the technical difficulties of Zoom. I had a podcast yesterday morning that was like in the end, I'm not even sure if I'm able to use it because the the audio was just like so wavering in and out. She was coming to me from like a across the world I forget where but somewhere else and so it was just like such a delay that I might not even be able to use the audio that is a bummer but it's exciting that you're getting to uh, podcast with people from like a wider area yeah it, it feels weird like the uh, the guy that I interviewed earlier today mm-hmm. like I was giddy the whole time it was he was literally just basically somebody that I'd read his books or I'd watch his stuff on YouTube and just be like super obsessed with it so for me to actually be able to sit down and like pick his brain was super super cool it's uh yeah it's a cuz I told you about that um the pod match it's it's basically this company that I'm working with that like hooks me up with potential podcast guests did I tell you about that no i didn't know about that oh yeah so it's um they they reached out like they probably have you know based off of people who have a good amount of episodes or listeners or whatever it is, they reach out, send me an email, said, check out the thing. And it's basically a, um, it's like a Tinder for podcast guests and podcast hosts. So they use like AI algorithms that match up like potential interests. And like, I just filled out like an extensive bio and it pairs me with people. They send me a message, say, Hey, here's what I do. Here's what I study. Here's what I'm all about. You want to have me on the podcast? And I could say yes or no. So it's pretty freaking cool. Wow, that certainly makes your job a little bit easier. It's outsourcing for you so you can find guests that are aligned with some of the topics you're either missing or you like to continually discuss. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, it's it's been pretty cool so far. I like it. Um, okay, well, hey, how are you, my friend? What's What's been up? What have you been up to? Um, I've actually been like super bored lately, <laughs> but excited to start my new job when the academic school year starts, so... More or less, I'm just kind of like in a mental space thinking about that, kind of imagining how I would like my space to look, um, brainstorming about what I want to put on the walls, trying to decide what like mental health material is going to be engaging and not tacky to high school students. I'm realizing how difficult that's going to be. <laughs> and I'm right. like trying preemptively get a thick skin about you know the amount of times I might hear like that's stupid (laughs) or I don't understand that you know and have to think okay like how do I how do I redress this given the the age group and the what they want aesthetically what they feel is funny I don't know right yeah like you don't want your your high school students to roast you Well, I just remember all the tacky posters in school, like when we were in school, like I will never get the mental image out of like two specific ones out of my head is the cat hanging from a tree branch that says hanging there. (laughs) And um, it's like the, it's like two, I think it probably female hands, but holding hands. And one was a, 
a white person, one was a black person. And they were like, the hand of friendship has no color was something mm-hmm. like that. And I just, I'm like, they could really do better with these posters. Like they're trying to say a lot in a few words and it's just not hitting. Everyone's just looking at it and like being like, yeah, sure. Okay. You know, it's not, we're deeper than that. So it's going to be interesting, but. Yeah. I, I love that you think about stuff like that though, too, because I totally would as well. And I was also the type of student to very, I would, I'd be very cognizant of all that shit that's on the wall. I'd be like reading it instead of listening to the teacher. So it is cool. Like to, to think that you can even, I, I mean, th- think about like the, 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 like the first Junkyard Love studio that I had in the basement in Castle Rock. Like I wanted it to be this vibe that you walk into, like you walk in and you're like, you're, you're high in openness. Like it's very visual, you know, there's a lot of like creativity just right when you walk in sort of thing. Cause uh, you know, you want to spark that in other people too. And it's just how I like to exist. So yeah, being able to create your own teacher cave, that's going to spark something within, you know, the students and have them inspired when they walk in in some sort of way. That's awesome. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Marie Kondo and everyone else in the design world would agree with me, like setting up a space to look like what it's intended to feel like is so important. And I feel like one of the biggest things I'm coming up against already is like a technical issue. The lights in my, what's going to be my room specifically, have not turned off since April. Like we literally cannot turn them off. The control pad doesn't do anything. They are just, there's like nine of them and they're the bright LED long bulbs. And they just have, they've just been on for, you know, however many months that is now. And we can't. How do I feel about that? (laughs) And I'm like, this is not a therapeutic space. (laughs) Like, rights are the opposite of therapeutic. Every therapeutic space I've ever been to is like, it's natural light or it's lamp light or it's dim lighting. It's a space to come and relax, breathe kind of feel like you're in a movie theater when you take that breath before the movie starts and you're like, oh yes, I'm about to dive into a whole different world. So the whole nine bright LEDs that won't turn off thing, I'm currently trying to figure out a solution for that, that I have more control over because I'm like, this will not do. Like my eyes cannot do this either. Yeah. Yeah. It almost is like, it's like a factory setting versus a, like a welcoming setting. I think accent lighting is, is like so huge for, for, I'm going to use the word vibes. I'm sorry, but it really is big for vibes. (laughs) You try not to use that word, but it's the only thing that suffices for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I know. I'm I'm such a hippie. I find a way to use the word vibes wherever I can. Uh, So, (laughs) see, it it works because we get what we're saying, right? Um, So... We we had a list of um, potential topics to talk about. I like that you jotted those down um, because w- when I when I read over it, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's dope. Uh, so we uh, for any listeners, this is the second episode that I've had with Micah. Our first episode, if I recall correctly, um, it was I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, you came over and I was having a bad depression day, um, and I pretty much just like told you that. And then we kind of started from there and talked about it. And it was a beautiful conversation. So if you want uh, more of her bio or to hear any other conversations with us, listener, check that episode out. I don't remember the episode episode number. You can scroll. Um, 
But yeah, Micah, we, we've been uh, going on, on walks. Before I had moved, we were going on walks at the lake and we enjoyed the conversation. We'd always just kind of like pick each other's brains, what's going on in our life right now. And just, I don't know, we always had good ass conversations. So I'm happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. It was episode 36, I remember, because I have a memory for numbers. Also, it was super fun for me. So it's one of the things I like to think about. Um, I've definitely been missing walks with you. It's not easy to find a walking partner, I guess. I think what people underestimated is like you really are alone with that person for however long the walk is. And if you don't like talking to them, you're like, eh, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> like yeah. I'd rather go by myself if I'm looking for, you know, silence. But yeah, I miss that. I do have kind of a walking partner right now. She's someone I used to work with at Tootle School. Um has really refreshing ideas and we have great conversations, but it was nice to have a male perspective on a lot of stuff. Mm. I do surrounded by a lot of female friends. And so it's not easy to replace an open-minded male mindset in Cowlitz County. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get, it's, it's funny. I, I, end up resonating a lot with females more. I mean, it's probably just because I grew up my, you know, major years of life, zero through seven or zero through eight or whatever. I was surrounded by three older sisters and, and a mom and a bunch of other females. So it's just like very natural for me to be in touch with my more feminine side. And so I feel like I resonate with, with females well enough. Um, and then it's, it is, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting and cool uh, to look at kind of the different sides of ourselves that we get when we show up with different people. Like if I'm with a bunch of dudes, like, you know, drinking Bud Lights, I'm going to be like a different kind of version corner of myself than I am when, when you and I are talking about like, you know, introspective masculine versus feminine things while we're walking the lake. Absolutely. Yep. We all have different, I feel like, you know, when talking about people who are, uh, multi-personality in some way, whether that's by diagnosis or just something people pick up on about them. I feel like we're not really being fair. I think everyone is kind of a chameleon and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. We just have different modes, different different personality types within us that we want to interact with. We want others to interact with just depending on the setting. I feel like we're kind of Sometimes we're harsh about people who have a lot of like big personalities or different like attributes because we're like, well, which one are you really? And like all of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyone who embodies any personality type is all the personality types they embody. Yeah. 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 Well, we, well, we want to like pinpoint who we are. Like we're this person, like it's our report card. Here's, here's our attributes and here's who we are and here's uh, what we do and what we don't do. And it's like, we're so much more fluid than that. In every situation, we're different. Um, after we eat certain foods, we're different. After we drink certain beverages, we're different. In the morning, we're different than at the night. Like we're, we're a fluid experience, not this definitive. I think that we want to, I think that when we're othering people, it makes us feel good to know what they are like it's like 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 if it, maybe it's a survival thing you know survival thing of the ego because you know we, we need to know oh that's a lion that brown thing over there is a lion and lions could eat me so i know that that's bad um or oh that's a deer and i could eat that deer that's good you know so we label things and then we want to kind of put them into the boxes or put them into what it means to us and it makes us feel like we have it done. Okay, that's good or bad. Now I can move on with my life. So we, as much as we want to label each other and, and like 
say that we are this this single pointed thing. It's just not the truth. We're we're fluid. We're all chameleons. Some of us more chameleons than not. Some of us are vastly unaware of how chameleon we are. But uh, yeah, I I like I feel like as I get older, and as I see the different sides of myself, as I compare like my my personhood of who I am when I'm in like a customer service setting versus who I am when I'm like a weirdo artist saying poetry in the woods. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm just, I'm two very, very different people, but I'm actually just both of them. I'm all of them, you know? Right. I think it's, I mean, everyone likes, I don't know if everyone, maybe that's a bold statement, but I think most people enjoy kind of like dressing up and like physical form. And I feel like trying on different personalities, even if we don't know if it's one of ours yet, it's just our way of like seeing like how we'd like to grow and where, like, trying out new words or language um, depending on what's trending or just funny shit that we think we make in our head and seeing how we feel like when we actually say it to other people and what the reaction is. And we're like, do I like that? Does that sound like me? Like mm. we all kind of have our own idea of like what's on or off brand for us, I think in the general sense. Um, but the other thing I was thinking about as you were talking is that I feel like the universe has a way of every time you think you kind of know who you are and who you like to interact with, it will send someone else into your life that totally corroborates that idea, line of thinking. You're like, oh, so you don't like this type of person. Well, have you met so-and-so who embodies all these things that you think you don't get along with, but you guys share one common hobby that makes you interact in a way that is exciting and new and then all of a sudden you're like wait okay so I guess I like people um that are representative of this political party or this religious denomination or have this job I think along with the labeling is that we want to sometimes shut people out because that would just be easier instead of admitting that we are more alike than we are different and if there's even just like, like when you watch movies and people get stranded and these people, typically they set it up to where the two people that are stranded don't like each other. And then they eventually like each other or they form a romantic connection. And if you didn't watch the whole movie and if you just saw the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes, you'd be like, no way, that's not real. That doesn't happen. But it happens more in regular life than we want to admit that we really judge someone from the moment we see them and we're like, oh yeah, we probably won't be friends. And then give yourself, you know, a couple weeks, couple months, couple years, and all of a sudden there's someone that you really come to respect, whether or not you believe what they believe. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because that means no one's off the table, really. You can be friends with anyone. You can find common ground with anyone. And I think that's way more exciting than the idea of, well, if we don't share the same views on this aspect of life, then it will never be. Like, I know I've told people as like a general line before, I don't know if everyone gets it, but I'm like, I don't want a Romeo and Juliet situation. Like never in my life do I want a Romeo and Juliet situation where two families, two groups of friends, two sets of coworkers, whatever it may be, just literally can't get along. And it's like, why not? Like, why don't you want to get along? What is so much more interesting about the drama or the gossip that's happening that you like and you find more inviting than the idea of we disagree on things? That's fine. We're allowed to have our own opinion. And then we let it rest. I don't know. I just think that story is so chaotic and dumb. Like, I just, I really don't get it. You know, it's like great English literature or something, but I'm just like, I just, 
chaotic. Like so many things could have been different. And I think they would have been just fine if they would have just let go of the weight of other people's perspectives on everything. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, they didn't even get to hang out that long. Like they ended up like, yeah, Romeo and Juliet loved each other, but they ended up dying within like, was it a couple months or something? Like, wasn't it not very long? Like, yeah. I mean, like, wh like, why not choose something different? You don't really have to die for the person. You could learn how to live with them. How about that? Um, it, it is, it is interesting. Uh, I really like, you know, it, it does make us feel better when we, when we have someone else's identity, like when we know, we think we know what they are, but it's also, I think, I think about how Ram Dass says, we're all just walking each other home we're, or we're all just walking one another That's home. Because it's so true. Yeah. And someone, sometimes the strangest people show up, but if we just are accepting of the moment, we're like, that was actually helpful. I needed that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like how is this person here to make, I mean, think about like the word triggering, you know, is that something gets triggered within you? You could, you could choose to be like, Oh, I don't like that person. They made me feel this way. They, they made me feel bad. I don't like them, you know, or is it, ah, they're pointing out something in me that, that I could grow on. They're pointing out something in me that seems to be solid. And I'm actually a fluid being who could learn about that. Huh? Should I lean into this more? You know, it's a, w w I think when you look at it as, you know, this is part of the life curriculum is, is spiritual growth. You know, when, when someone comes into your life and you can look at it as like, you know, maybe they're ticking you off. Maybe they're, they're triggering you. Maybe they're, uh, you know, bringing out sides in you that you don't want to admit. Like if you're like, Oh, I'm not an angry person, but you find yourself getting angry because of this person. Maybe it's kind of like, Oh, I, I was bullshitting myself. Okay. Well, that's humbling. Now let's learn what the world is trying to teach me through this person. Oh, for real. Absolutely. I, I think we too, like the things that we really feel like guilt and shame around also kind of come with anger a lot of the time. Those are the things that we're like, I'm not, I'm not defensive or angry about this because if I am, that means I have to admit that I actually embody this. Like the only way we get defensive is we also see a problem where they problem. Otherwise it would not bother us. If someone off the, said something off the wall about us that we don't believe about ourselves in some capacity, we'd be like, okay, that's frustrating. You feel that way. And you're directing that hostility towards me, but and the general, you know, term of events, like it doesn't affect me. As I see myself well enough to know it's not true. But if it's even a if there's even a little smidgen of feeling like that actually embodies truth, you're gonna hear that and go, Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're like, I don't need to listen to you anymore because you hurt my feelings. I'm gonna go. But we should be, you're right, we should be thinking about those things and deeper, like we don't have to do it in front of them or say anything to them, but we should take it inside ourselves and be like, okay, why did I feel that way? Like my body intuitively resonated with an angry emotion to that. Something's not aligned. Some, some part of me is like, this is actually, there's truth in that. And can I fix it? Is it something I haven't healed yet? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Sorry, you go. No, no, no. You're fine. Feel feel free to to interrupt me if I interrupt you. Um, no, it, it really is this. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. It's like growth mindset versus fixed mindset. It's like I am this person and you are that person, or it's it's you're you're pointing out something that this interaction between this other being and me as a being 
is part of my growth. Like it really is. Uh, I, I mean, we, we've talked about it on the podcast tons of times before. Um, I've, I've just talked about it, just growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And it really is like it could flip your whole perspective on life. When you see life as some sort of video game where you're just trying to collect coins and you're just trying to like, whatever happens to you is just part of the level right now. It's just, just what you got. Like you don't take it personally. You don't, you don't pout about it. You don't be like, I'm not playing this game anymore. It's like the thing that life has handed you is, is what you're here, here to deal with, you know? And sometimes it's super unfair and sometimes it's painful and sometimes it hurts and sometimes it's, um, um, you know, tr- triggering again. But I, I think, I think leaning into it, you know, it's like the, I, I, as many times as I've been stuck and I've been stag and I've been, uh, the arbiter of my own pain, <laughs> you know, uh, like as I get older, I just learn, Oh yeah. Okay. I guess it did have to be that way for it to be this way. And look at all that I've learned. Um, here's mistakes I'm not going to make again because I did learn from those things instead of like striking away from them. So yeah, it's, uh, life is, life is truly a journey. Life is a video game, right? You play. I just like the easiest explanation. I mean, as soon as we had all these crazy off the wall events happen in the last two, three years and all these things that some people believe were real and like, Something ugh, I just I have so many thoughts rallying in my brain right now. But something I like to think about is that I don't particularly subscribe to any sort of like denomination or anything, but I'm so down with hypotheticals for any circumstance and any religion, any story. I think every story that ever existed, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, is a parable. It's it it's intended to define some sort of moral aspect, ethical aspect of the human condition and if you do or don't respond to it, um, the implications that can be positive and negative in both respects. And so when you think about things like that, I think it takes the heat and the triggering off a lot of religious documents. If you're not religious, if you just look at it, like it's a parable or a storyline without trying to think, Oh, people actually believe this, you know, and if you don't, it actually becomes kind of interesting. Um, and something that I think people don't, ruminate on a lot about Jesus is that he was not popular. Like he, (laughs) he had a following, but it would be similar to that of like someone who believed in aliens prior to this year, you know, Mm -hmm. they have a following or like Sasquatchers, they have a following, they have a group of friends, but they're not exactly popular. You know, you don't have the greater percent of like 30% or more of the world or the country backing them and being like, no, this is fact. And I would, I would put my life on the line for this. And so I just, after the last couple of years we've had, I think a lot of those groups that have been, you know, kind of like made fun of, maybe not to their face, they're turning corners now. We're like, okay, so we don't know what's under the ocean. So government's releasing documents that aliens have existed and they've covered it up. Okay. I just feel like if everyone's brains aren't kind of like having many explosions on a weekly basis, I'm just not sure how, because I feel like all that's happened in the last few years is it's tried to like show us anything is possible. Maybe it's not possible right now. Maybe it was possible a hundred thousand years ago. Maybe it's possible in the future, but I don't really think anything's off the table anymore. Something I've thought for a long time is that if an idea can exist in my head, as I try to come up with like my multi-million dollar idea to like patent and just like 
become insta rich, like the guy who made pool noodle. You know, it's like, it's just simple shit. You just got to figure it out and be the first one there and do it well and patent it. <laughs> um, but if I think of an idea in my head, it's because it already exists. Not like I can't do it differently or someone else can't do it differently. I just think that the, the ideas that we have, the stories, the creatures that we have in our heads, the demons, all of it. It's like, if it can exist in our mind, it already exists in some capacity. It already exists. I don't think we can think of things that aren't already relevant. I don't know. I just, I kind of got in this lonely trip about like new ideas don't exist. Like they don't come from no color. You don't think of a new island that no one noticed on a map before. Um, it's just now about realizing that we are in kind of a video game setting that if you want to redesign some aspect of the video game or you want to find some hidden gem or an Easter egg, like you absolutely can. But I don't think anything new is to be like coming out of the woodwork. It's just about recognizing the little things that are behind the 5D, 4D, 3D mindset. And every time you upgrade, you understand and some more stuff. I don't know if that made sense, mm -hmm. but no, I, 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 I followed. Go, go on. Just, ah, just the brain explosions over the last years. And I wish there were more places to talk about it openly. I wish the conversation was more centered around what everything, everything that is possible, positive or negative now, um, and less centered around the fear mongering of the virus. And it's terrible what's happened. No doubt sickness is real. Illness is real. Um, but I don't, I don't understand why people want to focus so much on the fear aspect of it mm. instead of taking things in a new direction. Well, I mean, we, we love to know, we love to have stable ground for sure. We, we love to, we love our illusions, you know, especially in the Western world. We like, we like thinking that somebody is steering the ship. We like thinking that like somebody, there's somebody who knows everything. And yeah, this is a hundred percent true. And they, they, this exactly what we read in the books is exactly how it goes. But, uh, you know, you know, sorry, newsflash, that's not how things go. Um, Eric Weinstein talks about, um, he presents, he talks very elegantly on um, basically kind of like conspiracy theorists um, and kind of, I think he calls them cranks, cranks and kooks or something like that. Like he, uh, he has some, there's some sort of abbreviation that, that he has that somebody can look up. I don't remember it. Um, but, but he does, he points out kind of, you know, especially in today's age and especially with the internet, um, we, we can't just continue to completely disregard stuff that's on the fringe. We can't just say... Like oh that that guy's a crank or that guy that guy's a kook like he's he's a crazy person like it, we can't disregard people like that anymore because if we look at history how many crazy people how many crazy people like at the beginning everyone's like what do you dude you're nuts and it ends up answering our reality later and also at the same time not just people if we take it over to ideas like you were talking about Micah uh, think about like like how closely knit our past sci-fi movies and the sci-fi books in the pop culture are now our actual reality. Like ideas and, and 
reaches like where where it's hey this thing might be possible here's this crazy idea i don't have all the in between i i can't show my work yet because it hasn't presented itself yet you know i can't i can't show the in between but here's the answer here's this idea um it can't can be disregarded because i feel like history has shown continuously that the crazy ideas, the conspiracy theorists, the the whatever, and right now we're literally at a point we have no idea what to do with this alien thing. Like this should break everything. If we really actually sat down and said, "All right, we are as a culture accepting it," like New York Times, CNN, Fox, and like any of the the corporate press, the the people who control what we all think about and the the mass propaganda, but just everybody has pretty much accepted now. There's these things where I don't know if we're fully saying, yes, it's aliens, or are we just at a point of saying, here's the thing that happened and we don't have the technology for it. So like, but, but, but so, so how do we like accept this? How do we bring it into our actual conversations? I don't, I, I don't know if I have like a great answer for that. I feel like I, I feel like I maybe one of the few people who loves hypotheticals because that way of thinking, that line of thinking allows me to accept a lot of stuff I don't understand. And some of it may be stuff that I don't necessarily want to dive in and do the research on. I'm comfortable letting other people do that or hearing like hearsay on it. And other stuff will be like, no, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. But either way, I think just approaching anything that's happening with like a curious mind is a lot easier than hearing things and immediately disregarding it. Like regardless of who's reporting it, if it's on social media, news, scientific, you know, articles, um, just looking at it going, what if that were the case? Mm. Like, what would that mean in other respects? How could I find out how, you know, realistic that is? Or I don't know. I don't know if there's a good answer for that but it's a good question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think oh, it'd be just remaining in the open mind or the, you know, beginner's mind of, uh, of I, I don't for sure know. You know, I, that's kind of how I think all the time. I don't like all the crazy shit that I talk about. It's, it's all like at, at the end of it, I'm, I have a question mark at the end of everything I say. I feel like, you know, I, I don't know. It's fascinating though. Like, isn't this interesting to you? That's all I'm saying. You know, yeah, right. it, we, we, we really love, arguing about the truth and it, like when you were talking about religion I, I love that because i think that's where a lot of our conversation inevitably goes we shut down as soon as we hear like oh you're a christian uh, or yo you're a whatever like uh, like instead of oh oh okay so so the stories that that you read and, and you understand um what happened in this way that makes you feel the feeling of joy and community and love and that's how you access um faith that's how you access hope. That's how, you know, there's all these different emotions and experiences that we can all experience. We all have different stories across the whole world. Of course, we all grew up, you know, and in, in, in we're, we're created into what we are from vastly different environments and different places all across the big world. So we're all pointing to the same thing. We're just, we just have different stories of, 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 of the finger, you know, the, the, the hand that's pointing, you know, maybe it's a different color, but we're pointing at the same thing, right? You know? Exactly. How, I mean, how would we all come to the same conclusion? The intent was that we were all designed with different minds, different personality traits, different, different ways of thinking. Um, 
different tolerances for different things. It's like how, I mean, realistically, I mean, we can't, we can't get the world to agree on like what the most like health beneficial fruit or vegetable is. And that should come down to science. Realistically, we could test for those things and people still wouldn't agree on it. And so how could we agree on something as big as how we got here? Mm. Why? What do we do here? What's most important to do while we're here? Is anything important to do while we're here? And so there's no way. There's no way we would ever get to the same answer. But I definitely think that we, like you said, we're all on the same track. We're all in the same kind of idea mindset of there's there's something. I mean, how can we prove it? I don't know, because that's, science can't. <laughs> all science does, I feel like all science does is disproves things. Science doesn't prove things, I guess. I should even take back my last statement. Science disproves things. And then that whatever seems like the most likely outcome is the new idea of what happens until someone disproves that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it, because I mean, I think that's, I don't, I feel like that's less a mechanism of science itself and more of a mechanism of what science fills for us as a society. You know, like it's, it's our way of making sense. I do think that having it be the only way that we make sense, like we kind of disregard anything, anything else that's not like if, if you don't have scientific studies, if you don't have uh, peer reviewed science backing it, it's we're not accepting it as truth. We're not even going to like mess with it. I guess there does have to be some, you know, uh, logical way of, of existing and making decisions on, on a large scale. So we do have to have science. Science is super important, right? But I think there, there is more, there's more to this whole thing that's going on than, than, than science. Um, yeah, I, Yeah, it's it's interesting because because I um like the, the the last guy that I talked to, uh, we, it, it was really cool to talk to him because he he is a scientist, um, and, and he does or he I don't know he has like a PhD and and uh, <laughs> I'm totally spacing it. Um, I'll have to give his bio when I when I type it out. But um, he was able to still question like he wasn't like very only black and white thinker. He was very um, uh, ph ph philosophical as well, you know, but he's also a science and he, and he studies important stuff. So I don't know, man, we, we are at this edge. Um, I, I think that social media and um, the internet, like, you know, YouTube, especially think about how much YouTube has progressed my like levels of consciousness and what I understand and how I perceive the world. I think that also changes what we're at the edge of, you know, like I always say on the podcast, the iPhone came out in 2007. It's not that freaking long ago. So over this course of the last, you know, whatever, whatever many years, less than 20 years, we have like so much new knowledge, like so many different evolutions of ourselves that are being so many skins shed. You know, it's like every month we believe something profoundly. And the next month we're like, hmm, I got a little more information. I sat on that a little bit longer. I don't know that I believe that fully right now. And it's, it's this fun thing, but it is like, it's jarring. You know, our society is going through like, there's so much new shit. There's so much potential. There's so much mixture of our sci-fi with our reality that like, we, we are now accepting aliens and we're like, oh, that's a cool, like, let's scroll the next TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you, you really did. I've just, that that number, knowing that it's 14 years, is that right? I can't. Since 07. <laughs> no, 13, 14, yeah. But how many social media outlets have come and gone and some that have kind of like 
come back and forth um that I don't know like we haven't even been attached to any one of them for more than a couple years and even then there's always competing ones like coming out every couple of months um I don't know that fact just got me that was weird like I know I've had Facebook since 2009 that's probably the longest standing one I've had um and they own Instagram they own all of it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's yeah, yeah. Fucking Kellogg's owns all of these too, and then Shell owns Kellogg's. I think it's all just so intertwined at this point. Oh my gosh, they know what they're doing. Um, one of the things I thought about through the course of what you were saying is that the the reason why I made the statement that the universe sends people in who's going to kind of contradict like what you thought you didn't like or people you thought you didn't like. Um, the friend that I go walking with now, I thought I had an idea of who she was and I had no idea she was Christian. Um, I've known her for a year and a half, two years. She's never brought this up. And so I just assumed she wasn't given some other aspects of her personality and just how, uh, how she just operates and speaks. And I'm like, Oh, she's not religious. Like, I feel like I can definitely observe that about her. And then on our most recent walk, she comes out to me about her faith and her come to Jesus moment. And I'm like, I was kind of like a deer in headlights. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> and I'm trying to think about all the things I've talked about with her that I felt comfortable saying because I didn't expect to run into like a religious wall at all with her. And then I had to just refocus and be like, but think about it. Like she never has become defensive about anything you've ever said or done in the past. And that really speaks to her having her own ideas and not needing to interject and how cool that actually is. And now she's opening up more about her faith and feels comfortable to do so. And I need to respond in a respectful way as well. Mm. And what we kind of came to realize is that both of us have some really radical views, not exactly the same, but still radical on how we came to be and like what the storyline is and how like she agreed with me on like every book being like a parable. She's like, I completely agree. And we talked about how, how could the Bible be an exact realistic factual version of what happened when everything is coming from someone's perspective? Like what we know about perspective today is the same as it was way back then. If one person is getting to dictate and write the story, how is it accurate? Because they are part of the human condition. They were human when they wrote it. They can't, they can't speak the absolute God-given truth. They're a human, dictating a human experience. And so we talked about how she said she wants to see like what's in the Vatican and all this stuff that's coming out because she's like, I want to know more about these people who were um, determined evil or bad in religious text. Like they obviously have their own story as to why they did what they did and if it even happened the way it happened. Um, and so... I don't know. I felt like that conversation, like I wish I could have that conversation to share with you in full mm. because it's refreshing for me to be like, the universe is showing me that I need to be having more of these conversations with people who are considering themselves devout Christians, devout Catholics. Like they're, they are capable of having mature conversations. Now the people I'm running into when I didn't feel that was a possibility for me back in school. Mm-hmm. And so I was shook. I enjoyed it, but I was shook because I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I'm used to, but it's great because it's going to give me more of a 
interest in talking to my own family who's religious about what exactly they believe and why they believe it. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 again, we're walking each other home and sometimes we're going to trigger each other, but it's not such a bad thing. You know, it's a, uh, you know, I, I think that, and maybe this is a, a perception that when we were growing up that we just never really challenged, but I was kind of thinking about how when I was younger, there, there was this natural inclination. I wasn't like against religion. I wasn't like, um, like, like get away from me Christians or, or, you know, whatever. But there was a background task of like, like you do feel closed off instantly. Like the second someone says they're Christian, you don't feel like they're going to be able to like, listen to, to what your ideas are. You do feel very other than them. Um, but, but as I get older and I actually have conversations with people about their, about their beliefs, it's more of, uh, it, I find it to be more like that. Like, like you said, where you guys are open to talk about whatever. And then she shares uh, her experience with you. Like, here's what, here's how I got to this. Here was my actual lived experience. And you weren't like, well, that's not true. Like you were, you were probably listening, you know, you were listening and saying, you know, oh, oh, wow. Okay. So that was your experience. Well, here's my experience to reach those same sort of things. You know, so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe, um, maybe people are growing more open to discuss these sorts of things because we're realizing that it doesn't have to be an argument. It doesn't, we don't have to wall off from each other. Um, it doesn't mean that like the person who we're talking to, if, if we're not sharing their belief that they're thinking the whole time, like you're going to burn in hell, you're going to burn in hell. Like, cause you're you don't believe what I do. Um, mm. I, I think that, I don't know. I, I feel a little, I feel a little scarred by, um, by, if anybody who's listening who's Christian, I, I hope you understand that I that this is all love. I'm just, I'm just talking about specific um, uh, things things in, in in my life, but I don't have, I don't dislike Christians or, or anything like that. Um, wh- I was kind of scarred when I was younger. I was with um, uh, one of the girls I dated in high school, and she I went with her family and her grandparents to um, to church. I think I went a couple times, and one of the times like I was so fucking uncomfortable, man, because the the pastor was started going. Um, I mean, basically, I was convinced that I was going to burn in hell because I didn't believe what he what he believed. I mean, that's like what a lot of it was, was they were talking about what happens to the people who don't believe what we believe in this room, you know, him mm-hmm. assuming that everybody in that room has the same belief. Um, and so it kind of like shirked me away from it. But uh, that doesn't mean that that's how all religions are. That's how that all, all religious people are like that, that all spiritual people are like that. Again, we all have our way of getting to some sort of conclusion. We all have our way of experiencing these inner, um, inner experiences, like getting in touch with our soul and our own mortality and our own existence, like these sorts of things are compartmentalized into, um, religious texts and religious talk a lot of the times. And, uh, instead of trying to decipher who's right and who's wrong and who's got the truth, it's just like, what do you feel through the conversation? Like, what do you learn through a conversation? Just be open and discuss, because I think you'll learn that you're kind of talking about, kind of talking about the same thing, you know, we're all, we're all pointing to, to kind of the, the same thing. We all just kind of have, have different ways uh, of getting there. I don't think we really need to argue over what's 100% capital T truth or not, unless, unless we're the ones writing books and that's our job to do so and we're getting paid to do it. So, Absolutely. I, I just had a thought on it. Oh my gosh, am I seriously just going to like lose my mind right now? Um, oh, I was just thinking that, you know, I think that, the way churches are changing a lot of the time is for the better. I mean, I do, I have had similar experiences 
um, going to church. And the one sermon I go to is like the whole burning hell concept. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm terrified. Like, even if I was already like, I, I was Christian growing up. And so I already like asked to absolve my sins and had already been dedicated as a baby. And still, I mean, sitting in those sermons was terrifying. I'm like, okay, I have to do it again. Like, you know, it's scary, but I think the way they're changing and shaping now is awesome. Like, pastors and uh, people who are leading the service, breaking the mold by coming out as openly gay, openly transgender, openly these things that society hasn't even fully accept yet that we're trying to. And I feel like the whole point of everything is like, maybe if we just keep having people pop up and break the mold, like maybe they have to do things or hide who they are for a little bit till they get to a certain place. But when they come out as who they really are, they get to really show people like, okay, so you liked me when you thought that I was straight. I'm still the same person, except for now I'm coming out as openly who I am inside um, and what my preference is for romantic partners. And you need to get over it because I'm still the same person you knew five minutes ago. I've just decided now is the time to be more upfront about this one aspect of who I am. And I think it's awesome. I think if we keep having people in every industry, in every field, in every religious denomination breaking the mold, showing up and, you know, people starting to like them and then they break the mold in some way. If we just keep breaking the mold over and over again, there will be no more molds. There will be no more boxes. There will be no more of ways to label anyone that could be exclusive or offensive. I feel like there's, it doesn't serve a purpose really to have, do we really need to walk into a certain arena, a certain place, a certain group club meeting community? And do we really have to show up with an idea of like what we expect to see? I know our brain likes to do that. Our brains are wired to seek out patterns and we, we think it's helpful for survival, but I think we've kind of passed that point. You know, we really can't, look at someone and dictate whether or not they are a threat to us in our lives. Mm. And I think that's maybe a conversation people aren't ready to talk about. We want to blame certain groups of people because some percentage of them has acted aggressively or angrily to things in just a very uh, uncomfortable way. Um, but we can't still say that you know, that all people who agreed with this one idea or mindset can't also have incredibly kind and humanitarian morals in a whole other way. Yeah. Do, do you think that we're like, do you think that we're like almost traumatized by religion? Like we're in this place of almost like a post-religion spot in, in our world, right? Like it's not that long ago that we kind of have been living with this, you know, you know, God is dead um, situation. Um, and not that everybody lives with it, but, but it, it is interesting. We are traumatized by it. Like, it's like, uh, you know, like if we were bit by a snake when we were younger, you know, we're going to be looking out for snakes w w when we're older. Or if, uh, I've said this one before, if a guy with a snake on his shirt yells at you really loudly when you're four years old, you might be like traumatized of snakes. And so there might be like some reciprocating, uh, or some, uh, uh leftover strange scarring or, or trauma when it comes to religious talk or spiritual talk, because there's so many people that, that I know in me, even just a couple, just a few years ago, um, where 
I'm just like, I, you start talking about spiritual stuff or religious stuff. I'm like, I'm not listening, bro. It's so, so funny. I think, I think I had to, oh, it triggered me, but it's the truth. I had this moment, this train of thought, probably a year and a half in my spiritual journey that I'm like, I've denounced Christianity from my life so hard just to find myself claiming I'm spiritual that maybe is trending at first, but now I actually believe some of the things that align with that. And I am in a own little religion again, whether or not I go to a place and I talk about it with anyone, but I'm like, so funny. He named God, what God is to me. I decided God is out. The universe sources in. <laughs> like, literally, just, <laughs> dude, it's so funny, Micah. We, we all we uh. all thing to believe in, and so whether that is a human person or an enigma or a concept or an idea or this otherworldly being, it's like no, I don't think I don't think any one of us is walking around thinking, you know, I that we don't subscribe to something higher or we don't have respect for something that we don't fully understand and can't fully validate. So I don't know. I just like, I had to really sit with myself about that. And I was like, how I was like, I literally just, I went and found a new type of faith. Like I was kind of ambiguously faith driven for a few years, like high school, you know, wasn't really thinking about it. And then halfway through college, I was like, I didn't feel like I had a lot of faith and I didn't feel like I had a lot of interest in certain things. And then incomes you know trending millennial spiritual stuff and i like tarot cards and i start buying crystals by the dozens and i start looking into starseed shit and i'm like sold all right this way aligns with my psychology stuff way more than anything else i can be a behaviorist mindset and be a spiritual guru in my own respect and it's just it's just funny but i See, I think your whole idea on trauma is really, it's spot on and it's interesting because if something that traumatized us shows up in a new outfit and a new vessel, we are not as traumatized until we realize they embodied the thing that traumatized us before. So I'm thinking of like people who find themselves habitually in abusive relationships until that new person exhibits the behaviors that that old abusive person exhibits, you think you've got a good one. They have like the, that you, and you, you keep going down that road and until those behaviors pop up, you don't realize that you're going to re-traumatize yourself by letting in the same thing because it's put in a different package every single time. Mm. Mm. If we can't physically recognize the trauma right out of the gate, we have an opportunity to be traumatized if it looks different. Lessons will be repeated until learned. Absolutely. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's a, I, I really like that. I was, I'm glad we stumbled into this area of conversation. I, okay. So I, I have a, I have a short little story I'll, I'll share with you that I think you'll enjoy. Um, it's just thinking of like things that I was not open to receiving five years ago in, in what I am now, you know, um, like my, my view on like spirituality and spirit and soul and, um, um, you know, Christianity, Buddhism, like, like all of these, I, I just have this like 
dude, I get what you're pointing at. I a hundred percent. And I love that too. And that's something that I point out in myself. And some days I feel like I use this language and some days I use this, this way of, of saying it, you know, and I think it's all beautiful. I love it all. Bring on all religions, bring on all, you know, explanations of spir- spiritual being. Like they're all so fascinating. I don't care which one's the capital T truth, which one points to something within me that lights me up, you know? Um, so, so I had, uh, is when I was, when I was back in town, uh, probably like, uh, this was probably like a winter, maybe it was like seven or eight months ago, or maybe it was a little longer than that. Essentially it was, uh, within a few months of, uh, of the breakup of my long-term relationship. And it was also, um, a weekend after, or a few days after my cousin Casey had passed away. Um, and I was at work and, uh, I, you know, I was, I was listening to, you know, a lot of like Ram Dass and, and Alan Watts and stuff. I just trying to like, you know, do, do my grieving process. Um, but I was also just, I was very sad. Um, just very heartbroken, obviously from, from the passing of my cousin, but long-term, like, you know, this whole last year has been me kind of like sitting with the pain of my broken heart and trying to, trying to accept that and, and move forward, you know? Um, but so I was, I was essentially at, at a really, uh, kind of low spot and I wasn't my, um, norm, normally when I show up as a supervisor at work, I try, uh, don't always get there, but I try to show up as like, Hey guys, what's up? Like, it's going to be a great day. Like I try to, you know, have that energy. So, so it's effect. And I know that it's, um, infectious and, um, I hadn't done that for a day or two. And I had one of my employees who was like, uh, oh man, he had to have been like 19 or something. Uh, he's his family, very sweet family. His mom actually worked there as well. Uh, they're very Christian, very religious. Um, so, so serving, so, uh, present. Like I, I really, I really liked that their family, I got along with them well. Um, but he, he came in there, I, I'm his supervisor and he's a, you know, a, a teenager. He, he comes in and he kind of like shuts the door a little bit behind him and he's like, Hey, uh, you know, I just, uh, I just, I just wanted to, to ask if everything was okay. And I was like, I mean, that almost like made me cry right there. Right. And, uh, cause I was like, Oh dang, was I I'm not hiding it well enough or whatever. And uh, I was like, oh man, you know, that's so sweet of you to ask. I really appreciate it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I'm kind of going through some personal stuff. And, um, and, and I think I just told him, you know, like, you know, I'm dealing with a recent breakup and, and, I, and I did recently lose, lose someone in my family. So I'm just kind of, you know, going through the motions and processing it basically. And, uh, and, and he, he gave his condolences and, and, you know, said some sort of, um, you know, let me know if you need anything, something endearing. He was very sweet of him. He walked out. Um, and then, you know, the end of the shift comes and I was, I was really in that stag spot. Like that night was, I kept like kind of getting farther and farther into my own head. I was very sad, but it was, there was this wall up. I started feeling very numb. I was not feeling emotion. I was very like, um, disassociative, uh, incredibly disassociative. Um, and fuck man, he, I was at home and I was writing, uh, in uh, feeling emotionless. I was at home later that night writing and he texted me. And he literally just says, and I see his name pop up and I thought it was strange that he texted me at like midnight or something anyway. I was like, oh, maybe he's not going to show up for work tomorrow. And he's letting me know. And he just goes, hey, Jake, I just wanted to let you know that I'm praying for you. And, and, and he said, said like, um, you know, you know uh, I'm thinking about you. I hope everything's okay, basically. But like that first line, I just wanted to let you know that I'm praying for you. And when I read that, instantly... I fucking practically fell to my knees and started bawling. Like I, I, it was this, it's the second I read that I was just boom. And if I would have read, if I would have been that same situation a few years before where I'm like, I don't believe in that Jesus stuff. Like 
I wouldn't have been able to felt that beauty in that like that divine moment of you know I was I had some some plugs that I needed to take out and I had some some feelings that I needed to feel because I was suppressing some shit. Um, I had some processing that needed to be done and I and I cried for a long time that night for real like um, and, and I felt I felt emptied out and energized the next day. Um, but but anyway, I, I guess I, I wanted to share that uh, um, it, it was just this like beautiful moment that I'm so glad that I. Um, uh, in a selfish way, I'm glad that I'm open to it now, you know, because a few years ago I would have, I would have read that and been casual, like, thanks bro. See you at work, you know? So. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that story. A big reason why I always appreciate when you show uh, your emotional intensity about things so openly is that we need more strong men defining what masculinity can also look like. Like, I think a lot of people are misguided on the fact that, you know, masculine is supposed to include patient, supportive, uh, compassionate, like masculine traits are not always strong, brave, sturdy, stern. (laughs) Um, They are meant to include not the masculine side, the masculine version of being in your feels. That is all-encompassing. Femininity has its own way of encompassing their feelings and sharing them, but masculine does too. So I always appreciate when you share the fact that, yes, men cry. (laughs) It is a thing. Um, And it's just so interesting. And something that's been on my mind a lot lately is how much women have decided either they've been coerced to or they feel like they genuinely have to or it's an unconscious thing that they are adapting to but women are trying to be more in their own masculine at this point and they're also under the belief that masculine is not showing emotions and being very uh disassociative and unconcerned with other things and not being in the feminine which is to openly show and voice emotions as they exist um, I will follow a girl, I think her name is Madeline Moon on Instagram, and she does a really good job of sharing reels about this kind of stuff. But I realized that I need to pay more attention to this because it's actually not a compliment in my life to have people tell me, you're a mystery. I can't read you. Um, you are so good at, you know, your poker face or whatever. Like, I'm not necessarily like, I don't know, describe that better, but it's been on my mind a lot lately because I realized I used to openly cry about things when they hurt me when I was younger. And maybe that's just because I didn't have the emotional threshold to hold it back yet. Um, But for a time period, maybe over the last decade, I feel like I really tried to work on that. And now I'm someone who can actively hold back my emotions and my facial reactions. And part of that was part of holding back my physical reaction was part of a job I had at one point. I was required to give nothing away as part of testing and behavioral health for children on the autism spectrum. If they were throwing fits or hurting me or biting me or things like that, I had to show no visible reaction that they could feed off of. So I know part of that is conditioning that I did as part of a job, but regardless I've had a lot of stuff that has upset me happen in the last several months, maybe even over the last couple of years, but specifically over the last couple of months that I've been finding it increasingly difficult to actually access people in a way that I need them. Like I am now a person who doesn't 
feel comfortable crying in therapy, which is totally okay. Like I advocate for people to do that when they're in therapy with me. So it kind of feels like a double standard I've now created that I'm actively trying to work out of. I'm trying to, if I feel like I might cry in a moment, even if I'm in like a public place, almost especially if I'm in a public place, maybe I'm intended to do that. Maybe that person is going to randomly show me kindness and I need to allow myself to tear up a little bit and human to human show them maybe they're not upsetting me, but my day has been really upsetting. And this is kind of the last straw. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. why do we have to try so hard to maintain that we're not human? And I've had a hard time not crying when other people are doing therapy. As a therapist, you're not supposed to. And I'm not a licensed therapist. I need to disclose that. But I do on my bachelor's level and I've done psychology. We're told not to. And I just, I, I... like we need to show we're more human. If someone is saying something to you that is truly heartbreaking, if you're standing there going or sitting there and you're like, mm-hmm, yeah, you know, that, that must be so hard or whatever. I mean, that's not the way I talk. It's kind of a very, but it's fake and it's unhelpful and it doesn't really make them feel like you're connecting with them. And so I try to remind myself, but it's hard to come back from it, that it, it's almost flattering when someone does cry in front of you. Like in a weird way, it's almost flattering to see that this person is just kind of like, fine. <laughs> I'm going to let you see the full extension of my emotions in this moment. And I'm almost trying to trust you that you are going to respond either neutral or accommodating. Because in this moment, I am not, you know, at my fulfilled mental sanity, but you might be. You know, it's it's sharing the weight even in just a conversation with a client, a stranger, a friend, a family member. I feel like that's the conversation that we should really be having more of. And even just like last night, I got really upset about something and I was at my grandma's and I didn't want to fucking cry in front of her, but I knew I was going to if I kept talking. And I was just like, it was this active decision in my head. I'm like, do I need this conversation more? Mm. Or do I need to not cry in front of someone more? And I ended up not even really getting a choice. I said like three more words and I started crying. And I was like, well, now it's all off. We've already started crying. It doesn't matter how much we cry now because we already started. Mm. Uh, But that's not the attitude I want to have. And that's not the attitude I think the general public should have. Man or woman or child or anything. We should all just be able to be in our feelings a little bit and show emotion, even at work. I think we should be taking down that barrier and allowing everyone to see like we are all human. Don't mm-hmm. expect teachers to be inhuman. Don't expect, you know, people's life experiences to not show up in their life. I mean, we expect this of celebrities. We expect this of presidents. We expect this of all people. And I honestly think it's separating I think it's what makes us put people on a pedestal and then want us, we want to be more like them because they don't show fear. They don't show upset and it's, it's corroding our ability to connect with others. Mm. Yeah, I think it is because we, <laughs> we're supposed to cry. We're supposed to experience emo- emotions, you know, uh, we, we really are taught to, uh, I, I mean, suppress for sure, but we almost see it as like like an overly emotional reaction. Oh, hello. Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. I uh I'm missing my I'm missing my dog every day, of course. Um 
but uh yeah it, it really is like 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 I think that a lot of conversations, if we allow the crying to happen, but not allow it to, um, sometimes you could have a couple minutes of like an overly emotional when it comes to two people conversating about something, if you're triggering each other, if you are to the point where you're crying, if you've got something going on that's just coming up in a conversation um, and you 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 poke that hole and the, the crying starts coming. You know, it's just like, oh, great, here it comes, whatever. It's a, It's not a... I, I think that it's healthy because it, it does, it not only points to us that like, hey, this thing that's going on that I'm talking about is important. You know, it's clearly important if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm crying over, I'm feeling something very strongly about this. Oh, dang, maybe it's more important than I thought. Maybe I do feel more strongly about this. Um, and sometimes you could randomly poke, poke around. I've had conversations with my friends um, where we're just like, we're BSing, we're having maybe this kind of talk and then it gets personal. And then like suddenly I like my, my issues with self-worth are, are poked and I'm bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, what the, f- how did this even happen? But I felt comfortable. I felt open in a loving place with me and my friend. And, you know, within three minutes, I'm not crying anymore and we're laughing and we're, you know, onto the next thing. But it's uh, it's nothing to be ashamed about to cry. It's nothing to be um, ashamed about to, to feel human emotion, dude. Like, what we're doing here it's this whole thing absolutely yeah i it's hard i just i it's hard to come to like the root of like where that was decided i mean not it's not hard to really decide where it came to with men i mean men have been old man up since they were like little and that's unfair but where we decided like women as well need to keep their cards close to their chest all the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, dude it's 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 a it's Sorry. a balance of of the masculine and the feminine it's not like just because you're a girl you need to have 100 percent feminine energy just because you're a guy you need to have 100 percent masculine energy it's like no no if you're a girl or a guy or if whatever you are whatever you identify as you need to have masculine balance with feminine balance and that's what makes like the human best version of yourself you know like uh, like where, where you're you're not ignoring ignoring uh, entire aspects uh, of yourself where you're not um overcorrecting over uh yeah it's, it, it, i think that's the biggest thing it's you know we hear we hear the word balance all the time but when it comes to the masculine and feminine sides of each of us because we all have each it, it is about balance you know and there, there's times to to be more in your feminine maybe for longer there's times to be more in your masculine maybe for longer um but i think as an overall homeostasis way of being something to strive for it's it's a balance between the knowledge that is brought forth from from both of these yeah that you have a solid point and i i feel like what people fail to realize is that we choose the people we choose to be our friends and our partners because we like their balance of masculine and feminine and specifically You know, that's how we end up like, in some ways, you know, an athletic couple, two people who are highly athletic, adventurous, thrill seekers. I would argue that in some ways, both of them may be more in their masculine than their feminine because that drive, that ambition, that courage is typically more defined in that way is more defined as a masculine trait. And if it's something they're both avidly passionate about, and that's where all their hobbies are, they love hiking, they love excursions, they're both a little bit more in their masculine. And that's totally cool. And so I think we need to uh, figure out that, you know, 
we don't just like people because of their gender that they look like. We're still looking for people that align with what we want and how much we want, how much we enjoy someone being in their masculine and the, or their feminine and when. Um, I don't know. I think that's just why like couples that we are like, how does that work? We don't realize like what's really going on underneath the surface and to let her out of the room. Right, right. Yeah, I'm not a... <laughs> Yeah, we've got to recognize what we are or are not looking for. Like, I'm not, I'm not looking for a, a woman. I want a woman with with a good, you know, masculine side. But I'm not looking for a woman who's going to go fist fight everybody at the bar every time we go out. You know, so <laughs> it, it's about balance, right? Yeah, and I feel like I gave like an anecdote or two the last one we did, and so I was like thinking about the one I wanted to give today because. I eventually want to be like some type of philosopher. I need to like start like dipping a little bit here, a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, um, hit me. <laughs> but something I think about is the concept of, you know, when people say, and I've seen it in memes, so it's like, I, I feel like it's commonplace knowledge, but the concept of like what we bring to the metaphorical table in a friendship, in a partnership, at work, what have you what we bring to the metaphorical table. And I started really thinking about this table. Like if it were a real table, people were physically bringing gifts outwardly, like carrying shit in their arms and setting it on the table to bring to the group. How, you know, how we think we would like to hang out with people who are like us and why I think we don't actually want that. We just don't realize it is that it's boring and I also feel like when, if we had a whole group of people sitting at a table and they all brought the same things to the table and nothing new to share, like they were identical matches, it's almost like monopolizing and hoarding resources in one space and not sharing them with other people in a way that would actually light up everyone. The people receiving these new ideas and gifts and getting to like discuss them would be thrilled for the opportunity and the people sharing them who had stepped away from the table where everything was the same would also feel fulfilled thinking, this is so cool. People are actually really enjoying what I have to share and offer where they would not have that same feeling at a table where they're like, yeah, no, we all brought this. Okay. And you brought, oh, we all brought that too. Cool. Um, isn't that what we have? <laughs> you know, it's kind of just like, it would be such a boring table to sit at. And I don't know. I just... Mm, I had more on that. I had like a whole little short right. story. It's a lot to talk about, but I like thinking about it that way. Like what, what would we really like to bring to our friendships and to our partnerships? And we want to bring ourselves certainly, but we also want to bring, I don't know, bring an open mind. Yeah we're also just as interested at what other people are bringing to the table, not just what we can provide. We need to be as interested about what other people can provide to us in return. Otherwise it gets offset the balance. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's not about finding this and only this. It's about finding this and that too. You know, it's, it, it really is kind of like a community, uh, way, way of thinking. I get what you're saying. You know, I, I was thinking about echo chambers as you were talking, um, something like, like we, 
we, we want to surround ourselves with people just like us who are going to reaffirm our ideas and our beliefs and what we do and what we think is going on or, or whatever. Um, and, and, then, and then we think the contrast of that needs to be like a debate club. Like you find your arch nemesis of who believes the opposite of what you do and, and that's how you interact um, or, you, or you make them the enemy. But I think it's, uh, it's not so black and white. I think it's like all, all the colors, you know, it's way more colors than that. It's like it's basically like it's such a beautiful and like yes to you being your authentic self and bringing exactly that to the table like that's what the table needs because we're 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 a, a collective uh, but also but also having so 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 you bring what you have to the table and you don't look for an echo chamber you don't look for more people who have the exact same things that you're bringing to the table or we all just brought you know plain ruffles and that's what we're eating for dinner you know we we keep in mind the community we keep in mind everybody what everybody else might be bringing and then we really focus in on what we could bring and we and we own that and we just be our authentic self whatever the hell that means i'm still trying to figure it out um i think by i think by by trying to be authentic i'm instantly inauthentic so shit but um yeah i I, I like that i I like that point mike i i do um i feel like I, i do see what you're pointing at Yeah, I mean, our our genetics, our DNA at like a deep level are already doing this. Like our, I don't know, I think it's going more popularity, like people know about this, but our sense of smell actually helps us dictate who our most suitable partner is. And it's on an unconscious level. It's the pheromones that people produce in their sweat and they're just existing in their body. Um, It's determined to try and help us not procreate with our family whether or not we know them our sense of smell is supposedly supposed to pick up on that and steer us away from it like we're going to think their sweat stinks we're going to think their breath stinks because we don't we don't want to be attracted to them our genetics are like no (laughs) this is not the right one but someone who has different genetics and this kind of has components that we're missing as far as like health attributes we should, from a sensory standpoint, it will probably go undetected. We should be drawn to people who have our opposites because that's going to give us, for, from a procreation angle, it's going to give us the best outcome. It's going to give us the best offspring. And so I always think about just like in the Middle Ages, how they would like marry into other families for power and keep it in the family line. But before that kind of started, or if that wasn't a thing, people really did have healthy, strong, vibrant offspring because they were allowed to just go off. Like people smelled bad back then. Like they didn't, they kind of tried to cover it up, but you really got to smell what a person smelled like when you're only bathing once a week. So with how much we bathe now, all our perfumes, deodorants, um, I know people who don't use anything as like a scent on them, but even our homes have a scent. And I feel Mm. like we're almost at a disadvantage now. Like, unless we really get up and close and personal with someone's like sweat after they've worked out and we're giving them a hug, we don't really have a general sense of what the people we are around smell like. And our genetics can't play as much of a role in being like, Mm. we are, to this person on a genetic level like they would be a good person to swap dna with share dna with. <laughs> like i don't know i think about that sometimes and how i mean our generation i feel like we're plagued by the idea of 
when am I going to find Mr. Or, Mr. or Mrs. Wright? And I think that I think the pheromone and the sensory aspect kind of plays a lot into that more than we realize that at a very basic level, we are at a disadvantage because of all the sensory things that corroborate what we would naturally pick up on. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think about dating apps like dating apps that like that's what they feel so unnatural i mean they're great in, in a lot of ways like some people have had like so many people have had success and and met awesome people through dating apps um and i think there's there's something awesome about it but they do feel very unnatural like uh like to to not have the things that build up our intuition which is you know like our interaction with pheromones and our interaction with sense and, and our, our other four senses um th those those are forgotten about in place of data in place of algorithms you know it, it's like i don't know it, 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 it is very interesting and the, the, the pheromone thing is, is incredibly interesting as you were talking about that i was this feels so corny and if this <laughs> if this girl here hears this for whatever reason this is going to be like embarrassing but um again back in high school <laughs> it's not that bad um but uh, i still remember to this day basically back back in high school um I I'd like was hanging out with this girl for for a little while, um, and then I ended up like completely ghosting her and going back to my ex because I'm a total shit butt. Um, but essentially, to this day, I remember like there was something about like her her smell. Like that that sounds weird, um, and and it wasn't like her perfume. There was something that I was. It was like the first time I was very cognizant, and I noticed like uh, like like the the person smelled a, a certain way you know and it's something that you know they say scent is is one of the best um closely tied to our, to our memory it's something that i literally think about like as you were talking about that i literally was just picturing this girl like yeah dude she smelled good so it's just this super silly thing but uh, i i think that when it comes to scents when it comes to you know pheromones we we have a a knack for labeling things good or bad you know i uh, on the weekends here, um, I've, I've been working at the, um, at Lake Travis and we have two bathrooms that have air conditioning, uh, but there's a lock lock code on them. And there's a bunch of people that go throughout the day. We're not supposed to give the, the number out. Like people are supposed to use the porta potties that are across the way. And th there's this, like, you, I can watch people go to the porta potties and they walk out or they're about to walk in and they're so disgusted. They're like, ew, ew, ew. And they, they have like this big reaction about, you know, how it smells and how it's so gross and, and all this stuff. And I like to go, like, I'll, I'll go into those porta potties and just be like, yeah, this is what it fucking smells like. Like I'm, ex like this makes me appreciate not having to smell this all the time, you know. And so, like, like just just my mindset being different than than those people. I think that we see see when it comes to sense, we see when it we smell when it comes to sense. Or, damn it, when we smell, <laughs> we label it as good or bad so quickly. And I think we should like take longer consideration of that. I think we just accept that something smells a certain way, and then accept. Mm -hmm that you now have a reaction to it and it doesn't have to be, oh, that's stinky. We need to freak out. Yes, I agree with you. I was just thinking, I was like, if I even could just, if we were only allowed three categories for scents and two of them were good and bad, I would like the third one to be intriguing. Like, what is intriguing? Is it, mm -hmm. I mean, people, I think it leans more towards good, but also it's like, even with bad smells or things that I'm not particularly like, and like I wouldn't want to smell like that or have my house smell like that. I'm like, what is that smell? Like cooking, certain spices. I'm like, Ugh. but wait, what? It changed. I don't know. Like mm. smell so important in how we like dictate things. Um, 
The other thing I was thinking about when we were talking about online dating, and I wanted to let you finish your whole train of thought, was that I, again, had thought I'd come up with an idea that no one else had thought of and was wrong. But I, my best friend, like, do you think someone would use a dating where you are you're blind dating yourself? Like, you're not blind dating yourself, but you have entered into blind dating. No one's entered you into it or no one's set you up. You're setting yourself up on a blind date. So there are no pictures. You get to know the person's name. You get to know their age. You get to know like where they live locationally view because that is important. And then they just have to, you have to spend time writing an intricate bio that kind of showcases your personality, your humor, some of your interests, maybe your astrology sign, but there are no photos. So you go through people's profiles and you're just like, you're reading like a story. You're actually just reading the story. You don't get to see a picture. So you don't have to decide I don't know. I just, I feel like I've not had success on dating apps because I date, I, on dating apps, I'm shallow. Mm-hmm. If I'm in person, it's an energy exchange. Like it does not matter how attractive I find you. If I can't have a 30 minute conversation with you in a bar and feel like I'm generally interested or wherever I am, this won't be happening. Like I won't be doing this again as intimately. I've already learned that we don't really vibe on a conversational level. Um, so I was like, it was almost like a way to like protect me from myself. If I really had to just look at a way a person spoke and, you know, even just look at their grammar and look at the jokes they try to make and what their interests are, I think I would be much more likely to set myself up with someone who would be good for me or who would become a friend. You would have enough in common. If it wasn't a romantic attraction, I at least gave a chance on meeting a new friend. Um, and she said there's a TV show. I... Leo also, I'd have to like look it up again, but I like need to watch it because she's like, this already exists. But yes, I do think people would use it. Um, Cause I really just thought about it. You know, I've had, I've had four significant relationships in my life, uh, romantic relationships. And with the exception of one of them, which was my first one, which is just like that head over heels, naive, you know, and you just, you see someone and you're like, oh my God, I'm in love, you know, whatever. So we're going to exclude that one. But the other three, I did not, I did not think they were the most handsome men I'd ever seen. I wouldn't even think they were in like the top five. And so now if they hear this, I'm going to be like, mm, you know what, I probably do. I don't care. They'll never know which one, who's what. But I just, I really, and even as I started to enter into a relationship with them, I realized I did not find them physically attracted like I, as, as I had, you know, my one night stands or anyone else. I found their personality attractive. I found their humor. I found their smile. I found their laugh. I found their energy attractive. And I really was in these relationships because I genuinely found the person at a deeper soul level attractive. And I thought that was cool. Like when I really sit with that, I, it gives me a chance to realize I'm not inherently a shallow person. I'm not dating someone for stature, power, looks, aesthetics, any of that. I'm, I'm picking people that I really date and connect to for a deeper reason. But it also makes me realize, why am I not doing that in my dating life? Like if I don't, if I'm not meeting people organically and I'm just trying to meet new people, why am I not more open about yeah, this person doesn't strike me as like the most attractive that I've come across in my last seven swipes, but their bio is funny. Why would I not swipe right just because they have a clear sense of humor through the computer, through mm-hmm. the phone? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I just wonder what 
you know, thinks about that and processes on that too, that how unfair we're actually being to ourselves and giving our chance, giving ourselves a chance at having efficient and successful relationships because of how we're meeting people now is more superficial. It's more shallow. We're looking at pictures. We're not getting to look at a person and there's no way we're getting to feel a person through the phone. It's just not a thing. Um, I just feel like in a lot of respect, we're not giving ourselves a, giving ourselves a connect with people. Hmm. And the more we try to connect with that we probably knew from the start that we didn't have a lot in common with, or they weren't particularly on the same vibe or level as us, we become discouraged. We're like, oh, I've gone on, you know, five Tinder dates and they're all just boring or they're all just aggressive or because we're not looking for the right things when we're on the app. We're doing it to ourselves. Like our intuition could pick up on something, but our eyes are, you know, leading the service. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, yeah, my, my, it, it is very interesting to treat an entire, like, like when I scroll through Tinder, you're literally just saying yes or no. It's like you're treating a person as a one or a zero. And it, and it is just you're playing the game with the game pieces, right? Like there, there is like, like the, there's a part of me that wants to feel like shame about that. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm fucking shallow and that's fucked up and, and whatever. But I, I think that it, it is, it is part of the game. Like let, let's don't, don't bullshit yourself that, um, that, that isn't, there is more that can come out of Tinder and that's not the only side of it, but that is kind of the basics of it is if, you know, when you're scrolling there, you're, you're getting your yeses in, in your nose. Like, like I find this girl, this, this girl or, or guy attractive, or I do not find this girl or guy attractive. Um, and, and it is frustrating to me too, Micah, that I, I will pick like, like their interest in their, their bio I'll be like, yeah, I would like that person, but I'm not physically attracted to them, and it'll be a no for me. And then, I'll, and then I'm sitting there like, what am I? What am I looking for? You know? So, so maybe, maybe I'm sure not everybody has this exact same experience uh, with with dating apps, um, but I think it, as I've as I've been on it for a few months, and I'm I'm on it less and less. I like it less and less. Um, I think that going into Tinder, knowing what you want is huge. Uh, meaning if I was going into Tinder, knowing that I'm looking up, like, like I'm looking for hookups, like I'm knowing that I'm just, I'm just looking for, you know, a little bit of fun on a Friday or Saturday night. Like let's, let's both have a great time. Mutual. We don't have to talk after what, what I, I don't know how this really goes. I haven't had any, any um, actual experience in it, but uh, like th th there, there is a difference between going in like that um, knowing that it's just a hookup going in for looking for a relationship like hey I'm I'm this many years old and I'm looking to settle down I'm looking to find someone who has the same interest in me and I really want to hit it off because I'm looking to get married like that's a huge difference between looking to hook up and then where I'm at where I just don't know like I just I, I like I, I'm, I'm open to what whatever's going to happen I don't know that I have I'm like have a ton of time to be emotionally available, you know, um, but, but I, I don't want to shield myself off. I do enjoy talking to, to an attractive, you know, I, I, I like flirting back and forth between, between someone that I find attractive and finds me attractive, of course, like don't fucking deny that. Um, but yeah, so, so I, I think overall what I'm saying is not knowing what you're trying to get out of Tinder, out of dating apps, or what not knowing what you really want out of dating is puts handcuffs on you in, in, in a strange way. Um, but yeah, I don't know what you, you jotted something down. What, what do you got, Micah? I'm just rambling about my weird Tinder dating <laughs> life. Well, give me time to 
this, think about what you were saying. Um, so I was thinking about kind of changing my idea or maybe like adding more stuff to it. But what if we, instead of yes or no, which is so simple, uh, check mark or, you know, doing a scale. Like what if we were able to join apps and then there were two scales like we have on Instagram, one below the other, and we could slide it. Um, and one could be the platonic scale. See if you're only there for friends, maybe you only acknowledge that one and you just completely ignore the other scale being romantic or attracted to like the physical attraction. And you can just move one. Like if you want to make friends, you could just move the platonic one to like, Hey, it seems like we have lots in common. Let's hang out. Or, um, I'd just like to talk to you online. Um, and like, maybe we could like slide to a scale and then mm. when we leave that input, when someone slides on, we get to decide whether or not we slide back and meet them at the same point. Like I completely agree. Or if we want to like change it a little bit, if we did find them attractive, like also in turn with like you wanting to friends, I do find you attractive. Like, could there be more? Is there open? Like I, there's it. so many things are a continuum. And I wonder if a dating profile should just adopt that idea. Like, why are you, why are you on the app and how are you viewing this person? Not just check mark, swipe right. Like that's so ambiguous. What does it really mean? Right. Why right on this person? What was it that did it for me? It, it is, it is weird to think about the, the contrast between someone who's just a friend and someone who, who is a friend that you would like to have romantic relationship with though. Because I think that like the, the second you make that an okay door to explore, it changes your interaction with that person. Like, because, you know, when we're thinking out of, you know, like our, our horny ape minds where we, we, we think differently, like, like there's this saying you've probably heard it before uh like a guy will decide if he would sleep with a woman within the first 10 seconds of meeting her or something like that have you heard that before the box theory yeah the box oh there's a whole theory on yes yeah, so, so so i've casually heard it you may be able to explain it better than i can but it really um i mean there, there is there is something to it like as is as gross as that feels to admit you know uh, it, it is something that's like a, a real thing you know like i i, I don't know there there is a different um, there's a different side of ourselves again, as much as I wouldn't want to admit it, if I'm meeting a girl for the first time and I think there's, you know, like, like we're meeting on a level of, Hey, you're single and I'm single. And like, well, let's kind of flirt. I'm going to have a different, you know, day of conversation with her than if, if she, if she is married, right? Like if she, that same situation, like even if I thought she was attractive, but if she was married, if that's, and that's a line that I, that I would obviously draw for myself, uh, like, I'm going to show up as a different, a different person. So there's almost like these blockages psychologically that we put up on ourselves um, that stop the, the, the naturalness of it. But yeah, I don't know. Dating apps, I, I think that it would have to be a whole new thing. Like if we took on your idea, I think it would have to be, it wouldn't just be like, and hey, Tinder's doing this now because people would, people want their yeses or nos. They, they want their like, can I get laid or not get laid? Or can I, can I, can this person become my wife or is there no potential of that, you know? Gosh, and I don't feel like it would be particularly popular if we set it up at the very beginning where they had to decide and select an option. Like just here to hook up could be its own like pool of people. Like at the very opening when you like create a profile, here's my, here's my name, here's my phone number, whatever. 
that the very next step is why do you want, like, how do you want to use this app? Right. One pool of people for just here for hookups. One pool of people for looking for friends, not emotionally available. <laughs> and then another for, I would like something deeper. I'm here to date. I'm here to go on dates. I'm here to find relationships, intimate romantic right, relationships. Right. But I think a lot of people, when they start on a dating app, they, I'm, I'm guilty of it too, more or less. I just want to go on there and see what's out there. I don't really know. I don't want to like agree to just one thing. Like I kind of just want to see what's available before I make my decision as to what category I would put someone in. But that's the problem. That is the problem. We need to go in there with an idea of what we want. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. other, we have all these weird rules and boundaries. What's I yeah, I, I, I think of, dude, I do weird shit. Dating apps are so weird. Uh, it's like the weirdest side of myself to 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 learn about. Um, I, I'll do this thing, like I'll match with girls, and like like my, and I'll never message them. You know, like I'll never say anything. Like I have, there's just tons of girls that are just, and then it gets a couple of days later, and I'm like, well, now it's fucking too late. Like I, I missed the. So then I'm wondering, like, what am I doing? Like when I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling through here, or. Um, like like I got the uh, I I paid for the the version again shame um uh, like so I get notified when someone likes me and I could say say yes or no and I'll like I'll like oh yeah that, that girl's cute like oh she likes yoga she likes philosophy she likes tra- trail run like cool let's let's talk and and I'll say yeah cool she's cute and then like it, it'll just sit there like I don't talk to her I don't and and I there there's a lot of me that kind of I I think that I'm too cool or I go too meta on like the like I don't want to do the opening line corny you know dad joke thing and then there's other sides of me where i'm like i get that that's how you play the game though like literally that's how humans work if you can make someone laugh you kind of have an opening and then you know they're comfortable with you or whatever it becomes you know uh, we're laughing together rather than complete strangers that's a huge line broken down so i don't know i don't know mike i don't know what i'm talking about or saying but tinder and dating apps are fucking weird you yeah you're on to something though it is it's do you want to play the game or not play the game and if you don't want to play the game dating apps will not work for you (sighs) dating apps don't work for me because i don't want to play i just want i don't know my big request on dating apps is i'm like hit me with an open-ended interesting question i've gotten completely ignored people who start with hey what's up how are you i um i um like i undo it see see but that's that's fucked because it's hard to know on on the guy's end because like some girls they want that and you can't really always tell just from like their like sometimes you be like okay maybe this girl is more into like this like this girl looks like she wants dad jokes or because of her bio saying this it's this like we're constantly trying to analyze like uh i, I have had I, i've had girls message me first and they'll like they're like hey you with a smiley face and i'm like hey what's up smiley face and it's not ghosted. Like, it's nothing. Like, I didn't say the correct thing back. Like, oh, shit, was I supposed to... Say, that's when I was supposed to say that dad joke that I Googled uh, yesterday, you know, or whatever it was. Like, it's just so fucking calculated. I don't know how to be natural about it. I agree with you. But I do... I try to be fair. I put it on my bio. I use Hinge, and I put it on my bio. Like, the way to get to know me is asking open-ended interesting questions. Like, I, I put it right there. But I guess it doesn't say you know, explicitly, if you enter in the conversation with them, boring ass, small talk, you won't even shoot your thought, you know, but mm-hmm. I guess 
like a little callous. Like we don't like we don't really care if we make a connection or not on social media. All it would take is meet one remotely interesting, decent person in person. It probably wouldn't get our app for like a week. We would just talk to that person through text instead and hang out with them and give them a chance. I don't think anyone actually expects a lot out of dating apps. I know. I know I don't. Yeah, I, I met a guy, um, uh, the last show that I worked in Florida, uh, we were talking about, like, because I hadn't seen everybody in a while, and they're like, what's been up? Like, how are you? How's Austin? Like, have you got on the dating apps yet? You know, like, my, my homies are like, how are you doing in the dating room? Um, and and one, of the, one of the camera operators chimed in, and he's like, I actually met my wife on Tinder. Um, and they're, they're, they're very happy. And, and he said what he did, like, he was at a point where he was, he was ready to get married. He, he wanted a wife, like, um, which, which I feel like is like a, actually like that, that's a pretty cool place to be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for this. This is what I want. Like, I know what I'm looking for. Um, and he said, I, I think he said he just started like, he started just swiping yes on everybody. Like if they, he thought they were interesting at all or, or they had anything in common, whatever, he would just open up a conversation and he would just spend some time talking to everybody. And like, the ones that he spent more time with, you know, and he ends up like he, he met his wife on there. It's just because they had great conversation back and forth because he was very open to like, just just say yes to everybody and let's have conversations and see where it goes, you know. That seems like a lot of effort. That seems like so much time spent. Like, oh, uh, like I, I, this sounds so selfish, but I think I value my, my time too much to to have that many conversations going on. It's he sounds like a wonderful person just from like the amount of effort he was willing to put forward and per his own intrinsic motivation. Like no one expected him to. He's just like, you know what? I'm gonna give everyone a shot. Yeah. I just want you know, like that's smart. He knew yeah. what his was and he knew that it meant, you know, getting rid of some of his stigmas and biases. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know him very well. We just like he just was chiming in our on our conversation. Uh, but I will say he's a fantastic jib camera operator as well. So he's got that going for him for him just the same. Um, yeah. So, uh, Micah, we're getting kind of up here in time, and I do need to get ready for work shortly. So um, let's let's kind of round the corner. I was thinking about. Like, you know, a lot of times I'll ask at the end of the podcast, I'll ask, like, what does the world need more of right now? Um, Or I'll ask something like specific that I that I thought of through through the conversation that like might just interact with that person. Uh, What I'd like to ask of you, Micah, I feel like you probably know, you know, you know, a good amount of people who might listen to, to the podcast or, or what the type is. Like we grew up in the same town. Um, you've been on the podcast. You kind of know like my style and what I like to talk about and stuff. Um, like as an ending wrap up um, section or question, like what, if you were talking to the listeners or, or someone who needed to hear something right now, like what, do you, what is like a message or a piece of advice or something that maybe like a blanket statement that you might be able to offer listeners? Like, um, that, that might might help them out, might give them different perspective, might uh, it might just be something you're personally experiencing now that's just helpful to offer others. I, I don't know. Do, do you have anything when I when I when I ask that, Micah? My cat keeps butting the door open and closed. Can't decide. He's distracting. She's too much. Um, a statement. I am, I'm struggling with the super uh, wide range of ways I could answer questions. Um, I also have to admit, I haven't really been feeling like much of myself lately. So I'm struggling to just like throw some together with a lot of Nash and Micah authenticity. 
But I guess something I've been thinking a lot lately about is I struggle with it. It's feeling like I am, I'm considering what other people's motivations are without actually asking them. Like I'm assuming I know why people are doing the things that they're doing without actually opening up the dialogue to them and it's hard to have conversations like this, even for someone like me that advocates for people having them. Um, I'm feeling this way in response to, you know, our last conversation or interactions lately or the lack of communication between us. And I'm just curious as to if you have stuff in your life going on that is affecting our relationship. Um, but if I could just, if you could, I don't know, just basically explain what's going on. So I don't feel like it's a direct attack on our friendship or you are not wanting to spend time with me. Um, so I don't know. That's, I mean, that's been on my mind a lot. It's not a blanket statement, really. It's just, if <laughs> before we go ahead and get upset about something that's not happening or something that is happening we can't just assume that we know that everyone involved in that thought understands what's happening. And mm. we really be uncomfortable to be more with other people and be like, I'm feeling this way. And I just wondered if you were picking up on it or if there's, there's a reason behind how I'm feeling that you can provide more perspective because if anything involves another person in a way, um, we don't have the whole story by just trying to like demystify it and think it through in our own mind, what may or may be happening in that connection. Mm. Um, we don't always be have answers in our own mind, but if it involves another person, we really don't. Yeah. We have a lot of ways of jumping to conclusions in our own head cavity, you know, uh, assuming the person is doing this or purposely doing that. Um, you know, and, and a lot of the times I think that we'll find when you do have that straight up conversation, send that long text, send that whatever, or, or just maybe one sentence text and just ask what's up. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think we find that a lot of times it's not personal, you know, it's, it's not, if there, if there is distance between us, if there is distance between, um, you, you know, if, if, if there's, it's not ill intent a lot of the times. Maybe it could be, so it is worth asking. Maybe maybe what you have, what you're thinking about, it does have validity to it. Don't just disregard it. You know, think about it. But yeah, I think uh, not not assuming before talking, right? Yeah, and being open to the idea of just believing what they say their intent is. Like, unless your intuition and your gut is like very in a big way saying the opposite um just being willing to believe them if they have some sort of reason even if it's like an excuse that that is why this one thing in their life is affecting their friendships and we wouldn't have known how to not ask them so yeah i don't mm. know just being a better listener than we are a speaker <laughs> this is something that's internal mm. i feel like has made me want to listen more because I actually don't want to speak. So that's the only other option if I want to be a part of that interaction is, okay, I'll listen this time. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like it. Well, Micah, thanks for um, answering my my like very on the spot. Uh, think of something and make it important questions. I, I like. I, I feel so terrible. Sometimes I'll hear myself rambling around the question, and before I even get to the end, I'm like, "Oh, I'm screwing this person over. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm like setting them up for, up, up for failure." But you certainly did not fail. Um, I think you pointed out something that that a lot of us deal with. So, so thank you for uh, for being 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 vulnerable and, and finding something in your personal life to to share with others. All right. Thank you for having me. I wish you were not. Texas, I wish we could be doing this in person, but um, if anything, doing this podcast has just made me even more certain that a visit needs to happen in the future. Heck yeah. A visit. I've never been to Texas, so that would be fun. But It's, it's great. Come on down. I, I like it so far. I'm uh, moving into my new apartment next Monday, actually, so just a few days. So I'll have my oh. own spot, so feel free to, to come down whenever, Micah. I'll also be down... Um, I'll, I'll text you about it, but I'll be down sometime in, in November. So I think we may be able to find some time to, to go for a walk or something. So Perfect. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Micah. Listeners, take care of yourself. Love yourself. Um, if you want to check out the other episode with Micah, feel free. Um, Micah has a couple things that she's written, too, so you can maybe check those out and, and search for them. Maybe it'll be a mystery for you to find. Um, yeah, again, thank you, Micah. Take care. Love yourselves. Peace out. Knowledge is power.